Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, and you're listening to Testimony, a podcast telling the stories of how and why people became Christians. On today's bonus episode, you'll hear Dr. Charles Connery, or Chuck, the president of Western Seminary, talk about falling back into old habits after becoming a Christian, and how church friends helped him start living for God again. You'll also hear his thoughts on feeling close to God and the importance of telling stories about God. You'll even get to hear him tell about how God brought him and his wife, Diane, together. At the end of this episode, you'll hear a testimony that was submitted by one of our listeners. Make sure you stay until the very end to hear it. And as always, I'd love for you to share your story of becoming a Christian with me. You can do that by filling out the form at testimonypodcast.com. I'll read one of those stories on the show every month. You can also use that form to tell me about someone whose testimony I should share on the show. Do it. Before we get to Chuck's words, I want to make sure that you know that while I think this bonus episode has some incredibly important content on its own, it is meant to be listened to in conjunction with the full-length episode that told the story of how and why Chuck became a Christian. It is an amazing story of how God helped Chuck overcome the powers of darkness in his life. It includes a funny story about Chuck using potato chips to hand out communion in grade school, a crazy story about a Ouija board, and lots about God working in amazing ways at unexpected times. It came out a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't already listened, you should definitely hit pause on this episode and play that one first. By the way, that is how the schedule of this show works. A full-length episode sharing the story of how and why a person became a Christian comes out on the first Tuesday of the month. And a bonus episode with more content from my conversation with the same guest comes out a couple of weeks later. I don't want you to miss any of it, so make sure to subscribe. Next month's story is that of Ryan Welsh. He's the lead pastor at Restoration Church in South Lake, Texas. Before that, he was the pastor of theology and discipleship at Mars Hill Church in Seattle. If you listen to the viral podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, then you might recognize his name as one of the Noble Nine. Here's a clip from that episode, which will come out on May 3rd. So uh, Christmas break of my senior year of high school, I got real depressed for no apparent reason. Uh, There was nothing in particular going on other than high school was coming to a close in the next, you know, few months. And I mean, when I say depressed, I got real depressed, Uh, like despair, Uh, not suicidal in the sense that I actually was uh, thinking about how to kill myself. But I mean, like the thought had crossed my mind, life is so miserable, I would rather be dead. Um, it led me to a place of complete despair, rock bottom, where I started confiding in my mom, who is a believer. Uh, my mom and dad are believers. And just out of pure desperation saying, Mom, I, I need you to pray for me. You definitely don't want to miss the rest of that story. So make sure that you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now... Here's my conversation with Dr. Charles Connery. What was the furthest you ever felt from God? Yeah, so it was after I was converted. I had um, become an agent for the Los Angeles Times. I had taken on a a big job that was an all-consuming reality. And uh, uh, it brought a lot of pressure. It brought a lot of income, but it brought a lot of pressure and responsibility, and it was one of those things that required me to be on deck 24-7. And uh, I found uh, myself tempted afresh to go back to smoking pot, and I ended up going back and hanging around with uh, some people that I 
I shouldn't have been hanging around with. And I, of course, at that point I had more money, which is a bad combination. So I, I got into uh, free base cocaine, actually uh, tried to uh, invest in um, uh, selling it. Uh, but the guy, the guy that I was working with was such a dopehead himself. He just ended up taking my money and, and buying a bunch of cocaine at Freebase and smoking it himself. <laughs> so it was all gone. Uh, and uh, it was so fascinating because I was totally sucked back into that life. And uh, um, uh, I was uh, I had brought a roommate into my house who was sympathetic to that. I was a single guy had a nice apartment in La Jolla and um, was running my business, but um, I was just lost. And I, I remember feeling so lost. And I would, uh, occasionally I would drive by a church and I would see the church and it was like God saying, come back to me. Just come back to me. It'll be okay. Just come back. And I would resist it. I would consciously resist that, that, that voice that was calling me back to Jesus. And I remember feeling, um, you know, it was such self-loathing at that point because I knew I was being stupid. I knew I was being rebellious and willfully sinful. And I thought, man, if I died right now, I would be in hot water. Um, and uh, one day... As I was sitting there, we were we had just finished smoking pot, so the house just reeked of pot. Uh, and I hear this knock on the door, and I just fling the front door open. I'm uh, you know high as a kite, and I just fling the front door open, and it's three of my dear friends from church, and they're standing there, and they say, "We miss you. We just want you to know we love you, and we miss you." That's all we that's all we wanted to say. And they left. And I closed the door and I went back in and, and no one else was privy to that. They were all just in the house, you know, and I sat down and I went, Wow. Who was that? They said, you know, I said, Ah, oh, some people from church. Ah, what are those goody two shoes want? Blah, blah, blah. But that was that God used that. Um, that up close and personal contact, that that expression of unconditional love, to say you matter to us. Yeah, we, you know, they didn't say it, but I knew they smelled it. Uh, we know your law. We know you've you've gone off and, and you're doing stuff that's not right. But we love you and we want you back. We miss you. And um, it wasn't long after that that I came back and rededicated my life to Jesus. But it was that season was a. That, that was when I guess I felt the farthest from God, because before I really didn't know, right? Or, you know, had my curiosities or whatever. And since then, I've had trials and, and really challenging times, but I never felt forsaken. Um, and I didn't feel forsaken then, but I knew that I had forsaken God and was willfully resisting the Holy Spirit's influence to bring me back. The next thing you'll hear from Chuck is response to a question about the closest he's ever felt to God. I always ask guests this question, and the responses are good. But Chuck's personal experience feels like particularly good advice for all of us. It reminds me of Colossians 3, 2, which says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Well, there, there are too many of those events to recount, you know. I mean, I... Uh... 
I wouldn't say that for me there's just been one, you know, all wonderful mountaintop experience where I've I've never felt that close to God again. I think I think God invites me back into that space with him and it's uh it's a matter I'll tell you when I feel most when I feel closest to God. It's when I quiet myself inside and I let myself be consumed with thankfulness. And uh, I don't focus on the things that, that are wrong. I focus on the things that are right. And uh, because there, there are always things that I could get exercised over, you know. I mean, like now, COVID, masks, vaccinations, uh, the, the uh, political controversies, the economic uncertainties. I could focus on what's happening at work and say, oh man, you know. But, but when I just simply quiet myself and say, I am so grateful. I'm just grateful. It's, it, things don't have to be right to be, to be thankful. And, and I find in those moments, Chad, um, I find myself closest to God when I can just simply be thankful. If you could thank God for one person, or just one, who would it be and why? Well, Diane would be the, the one. Uh, and the uh, I prayed, when I was a single guy, I prayed and prayed and prayed that the Lord would lead me to the right woman, the white, right wife, and that uh, he would lead the right person to me. Uh, and I, that was a daily prayer when I was a single Christian. Uh, that was a daily prayer, and it was so funny because when Diane and I first met, I mean that, I, and she would agree uh, that, that neither she nor I, uh, when we, it was not love at first sight. I mean, Diane is beautiful, so it's not because she's not beautiful. It's the, it was just not. I was interested in somebody else at the time that I first met Diane and, and uh, did not see. She looked really young to me, and, uh, and I, she said that when, when I, I talked really loud and I was in her face and a little too happy, and I had uh, cheese on my breath, which she didn't particularly like. So that was, uh, I got too close to her, I guess, when I said hi. And uh, <laughs> cheddar cheese sandwich for lunch. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, but, but the Lord really works in awesome ways. So Diane and I, uh, we went on this trip together. Uh, we were in uh, Bible college together and I had fulfilled my evangelistic uh, campaigns. We had uh, there was required component to our curriculum in, that that uh, required us to go on at least two evangelistic campaigns, and that meant going out as a group with one of the professors of the school who would be the preacher, the main preacher, and we would do this in a local church somewhere, somewhere in the south. It could be anywhere. Um, uh, I, the schools in West Monroe, Louisiana, but we'd venture out to Arkansas, Oklahoma, as far as Virginia, and uh, we would do these evangelistic campaigns. And we'd go out as groups and door knock and, and invite people to come, and then it'd be a very evangelistic kind of sermon, and people would accept Christ. And and uh, I had already been on on two, so I had satisfied my 
my requirement. And on the last one that I had been on before that, I was paired up with this woman and they put us in the worst part of town. And this was in McCrory, Arkansas. It was a prison town, the prison in McCrory. And, um, uh, but we went to the, the most economically depressed part of town. It was literally across the railroad tracks, literally. We drove across the railroad tracks. It was a whole different world. And I thought, man, I'm going to be assaulted. She's going to be sexually assaulted. We're going to die out here. This is going to be very bad. What we discovered was the most hospitable, loving, open-hearted people. We, The two of us, that woman and I, led more people to Jesus than the entire team combined. And, um, and so they thought it was because I was some kind of evangelistic savant that could go out and just, you know, say the word and people would fall down and receive Jesus. So we, they really wanted me to come on this campaign. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I, it was in Virginia. And, uh, so I, I said, well, I don't, I, I don't need to do that. I've already fulfilled the requirement. Oh, please, you're, we just really want you to come. They finally talked me into it. Well, Diane was on that, and she had family in Virginia, and her motive was to go connect up with her family when, when we uh, were there, because it was a 24-hour drive in this motorhome. So we had all this FaceTime in this motorhome uh, with other students, and, and it was just a hilarious time. But I had no designs on her. She had no designs on me. We were completely ourselves. And when we got there, the pastor of the church must have been led by the Holy Spirit because he said, you know, he said to me, he said, you and Diane make a wonderful couple. Now, we're not even dating, but he's telling me, you guys are perfect for each other. Yeah, you, you guys are perfect. And I said, well, what about Lori? Because she was a woman that was on the trip, and I was actually interested in her. And, well, Lori's nice, but no, no, you and Diane. No, you and Diane, really. You guys, you guys are right for each other. And it just put this little seed in my mind. But that began a friendship with Diane and me, and that friendship grew into uh, something more. But it happened in a way that was so natural for us that neither of us ever had to really try. And uh, she has been, over the years, we've been married 39 years, she is um, the most authentic, open-hearted, transparent, honest human being that I have ever met. And uh, I, she makes me a better person. And I'm, I'm grateful. And uh, there isn't a day that goes by, Chad, that I don't realize afresh and am thankful for the fact that God answered my prayer in ways that go beyond anything I could have ever thought or imagined. This is the easy one to finish. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, Chad, I think this is great. I'm glad you're doing this. Um, you know, I, I, I think the value of uh, particular stories, specific stories, is that uh, those who listen um, can read uh, the uniqueness of their own stories into uh, the stories that others tell about God and about their journeys with God. Um, my uh, doctoral mentor uh, wrote a book called Biography as Theology, and um, 
I'll use the title as a point of departure rather than trying to get into the idiosyncrasies of his book, but the idea of biography as theology, I think is the right one. Um, we live out our faith amid our own uh, journeyed existence, you know, and we, um, we do that in community with other people who are doing the same thing. And I think there's something really powerful about Christians sitting together and talking about how God is alive and at work in their lives. That is theology. That's, that's the essence of the Christian life. When we can find our delight sitting together and talking about God and celebrating with wonder, like little children, the way that God is alive, I think that's, that's one of the best things we can engage in this side of eternity. Before I let you go, I want to read to you a testimony submitted to me. This story is from Robin Cunningham. Robin says, I was drunk, on drugs, sleeping with witches, a mean, horrible, sinful person. I got mad at God and shook my fist at him and challenged him to a fight because I was so depressed I wanted to die. Robin goes on to tell about how the TV came on in the room and the preacher was talking about how sinners can come back to God. At the end of the program, the preacher led the sinner's prayer. Robin then says, I was crying in anger before, but now I was crying in repentance. I prayed and asked God to get me out of the house I was in. Get me a job and get me back to church, and I will never turn back again. Not even a minute later, I got a call from a friend who was 40 minutes away in a neighboring town. He was out praying and driving, and God had told him I needed a place to stay, a job, and to get to church. He offered all those things to me and informed me he was outside of my home at that moment. God had answered my prayer 40 minutes before I even prayed. He had answered my prayers as I was crying, bitter, broken. He answered my prayers while I was still his enemy. Thank you for sharing that with us, Robin. As I said to you online, it is amazing how God shows up at just the right time. Again, if you want to share your story with us, go to testimonypodcast.com and fill out the form there. And finally, if you want to support this show financially, you can make a donation by visiting testimonypodcast.com and clicking on the big yellow button. Anything you contribute is helpful and appreciated. Thanks for listening.